morning. Sorry about that. Jess was talking to me, telling me to go upstage, and I was saying, shh, shh. <laughs> Which is distracting me. Apologies. She's telling me to go up there because it's time to talk. Uh, we're delighted that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. Uh, if you're a first-time guest or you've been here many times, you matter to God and you matter to us. So thank you for coming. If you're listening online uh, and you haven't yet been, come and visit us. If you're listening online because you were serving in kids' ministry at 10 a.m. today, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for your help in sharing the gospel with our children. Today, we're starting a teaching series in the book of Philippians, uh, which will run through until the first week of August. Now, last week, I spoke about the importance of uh, being people who are defined by our relationship to the Bible, where it's a priority in our lives. And in having it as a priority in our lives, we'll experience tremendous spiritual growth, but equally will be a tremendous blessing to others. And that in includes encountering God through Bible teaching in our Sunday services as well. So I've chosen the book of Philippians. A couple of reasons. One, uh, it's a very equipping and encouraging book. And it explains how the gospel and life in Christ prepares us for joy in all of life's situations. Uh, before I read the text today, or before my daughter reads the text today, let's bow our heads as I pray. Jesus, you love us. You showed the full extent of your love by dying on the cross for us, taking the penalty for our sins that we deserved. As we seek to become more like you, Help us to keep our ears and hearts open as we seek to understand and apply your word in our lives today. Uh, Paul started the church in Philippi on his first missionary journey. That's recorded in Acts. It's the first church in Europe. And he is writing to the people of this church many, many years later after he'd started it. He's actually in prison in Rome. Now, he's thanking them in this letter for a financial gift that they had given him, they'd raised, and helped him share the gospel. And so he helped him continue with the Great Commission. At the same time as he's thanking them for the gift in the letter, he really wants to strengthen these believers, strengthen these believers, letting them know that true joy comes from Jesus Christ. So today we're going to be looking at chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. You can follow along in your Bibles. I'm going to be keep referring back to the text, so keep it open or maybe open up your apps. I did a slide with the text on it. I thought it was going to be a, a beautiful summer ocean scene in the background. When it's gone up there, I realized you're probably going to need your binoculars. Uh, so if you brought your binoculars, follow along on screen, otherwise in your Bibles or your apps. Jess, can you come on up, honey, and read to us? Now, if you're a parent of a child who you think would be good or wants to read scripture on stage and you're willing to help them practice, uh, let me know afterwards and we can schedule them to do that. Thank you. Yes, never mind about not practicing. Um, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work for you will bring the completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you all in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for y'all, how I, sorry, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ filled with the fruit of the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Thank you, Jessica. So one of my points today is that uh, there's no separation between clergy, people paid to do ministry, and those who are not paid to do ministry. And I'd love to keep representing that as we go forwards as a church, having children reading scripture to us. Right. Uh, the first 11 verses, uh, you'll see probably noted in your Bible, it says thanksgiving and prayer. They are a thanksgiving and prayer, but the actual content in the midst of that, which is going to be the main point of this message, is love abounds in gospel partnership. Love abounds in gospel partnership. And my teaching today is going to look at that truth from four foundational phrases and words. The first word is saints. Second word is grace. The third word is gospel partnership, and the fourth word is love, fourth phrase, sorry, is love abounds. So the first one, let's look at saints. So Paul starts his letter calling the people in Philippi saints. Paul isn't attempting flattery here, but he's giving them a foundational truth for them to understand and believe as he sets out to build them up spiritually. Now, if you're reading from the NIV, it says holy people in the place of saints. Both mean the same thing. It means people who have been called by God for a great purpose. People who have been set apart, but not set apart from other Christians. He's not referring to some super spiritual class of Christians, but all Christians. So look at how many times Paul emphasizes that he's writing to the whole congregation. So verse 1 says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. And then finally in verse 8, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So he's speaking to all of the Christians. He's calling them all saints. Now he does recognize that some people have been gifted for leadership because he says in verse one, uh, overseers and deacons. But biblically and from personal self-awareness, uh, leaders or people who are in paid ministry uh, are not greater saints than others. And that is a critical thing to understand, not only to our spiritual health, but as we seek to partner in the gospel. Uh, one way to describe the gospel is the great leveler. So the good news of Jesus is the great leveler. Neither our view of ourselves nor others' view of us matters. It's what's God's view of us that matters. Earlier on in that song, we said, I am who you say I am. Uh, that is really uh, very helpful for this. 
the Bible teaches that all of us have sinned and fall short of God's standard, that none of us can save ourselves. And then when we come to the very end of ourselves and we cry out to God for help with sincerity, God answers our prayers by allowing us to hear the gospel. So we are all equal. We are all equal in our need to submit to Jesus as Savior, as the only one who has both the power and the will to forgive our sins. And we need all of us to submit to Jesus as King, saying it's our intent to live for him now. We have enough of ruling our lives our own way, and we let Jesus take his rightful throne in our lives. At this point, we move from being seen as sinners in God's eyes to be seen as saints. Whether we feel like it or not, it's critical that we understand that God sees us as saints. The gospel is not only the great leveler, I think it's more accurately described as the great exchange. Think about this. Has any exchange ever been greater? Can anyone ever be more generous, sacrificial, and loving than God the Father? Think of the great exchange in the gospel this way. We give Jesus our sins. He gives us his righteousness. We give Jesus our fear of death. He gives us a love of life. We give Jesus our worst. He gives us his very best. We give Jesus our darkness, and he gives us his light. We give Jesus our despair, and he gives us hope. We give him our insecurities, and he gives us his faith. We give him our lives marked by meaninglessness, and he gives us new lives made for divine purpose. We give Jesus our rebellion and hatred, and Jesus gives us his love and embrace. We give Jesus our old lives, and he gives us new lives. We give Jesus our denial, and he welcomes us into the eternal relationship of pure and perfect love with himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just through Jesus alone, we move from being saints, move from being sinners to saints. Now, no matter who we are, all people, regardless of how we view ourselves or how other people view us, all people need and all people are saved by grace. Grace is the second word I'm going to be referring to today to help us understand the main point that love abounds through gospel partnership. First word was saints, the second word is grace. Look how fundamental and foundational grace is at the start of this letter, at the start of Paul's relationship with the people in Philippi. Grace to you, says in verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is the starting point of peace with God, the starting point of a relationship with God. Uh, grace is pretty hard to define. The best description I've ever heard of grace uh, is one that uses the letters from the word grace uh, to uh, describe it. So G is God, R is riches, A is at, C is Christ's, and E is expense. Grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, there's two types of grace. First one is saving grace. 
Saving grace is how our sins are forgiven, and it's how we get eternal life. That's the grace that Paul is referring to at the very start of verse 2. Uh, it's through Christ's death on the cross where he took the penalty our sins deserved. The riches are not just eternal, but being in a real world, real-time relationship with God. However, grace is not just a one-time drink of magic potion. Uh, it gives ongoing life and riches. So see how Paul refers to grace uh, in an ongoing way in verse 7. He says this, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So the second type of grace is empowering grace. So we all need grace. We're all equal in that God views us as saints. We're all equal in that we're equally needing of grace. First, saving grace, and secondly, empowering grace. Now, empowering grace describes the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God's Spirit gives us the character traits and gifts necessary for his mission, building his kingdom here on earth. Empowering grace empowers us for the good works which we have been saved for, allowing us to minister the gospel. Grace and the gospel are interwoven. One does not exist without the other. Saving grace is part of the great exchange, which I described earlier. Empowering grace equally is also part of the great exchange. Think of empowering grace this way. So when Jesus feeds the 4,000 people. In this miracle, Jesus takes what little the disciples had, seven loaves and a few small fish. And having given thanks and having blessed the food, the disciples are then able to feed 4,000 people and then end up with seven baskets full at the end. They gave to Jesus all they could offer, which was little. And despite this, Jesus was still able to accomplish his mission. And the disciples ended up with more than they started with. Friends, empowering grace is when we give Jesus all we have, our character traits and our propensity to sin, and he gives us the gift of being partners in his gospel. That means that the newest believer in Philippi is as much a gospel partner with Paul as the longest-serving elder. And this brings us to our third point. Uh, this phrase I want you to uh, remember is gospel partnership. Gospel partnership. There is no distinction between clergy and laity. That's something that grew up in the church in history, but has no real biblical basis. Sometimes we can think, ah, oh, yes, you're going into ministry, which means they mean you're going to be paid to do some work, uh, depending on the gifts that God has given you. The reality is everyone does ministry. It's not just the person at the front speaking. Carolee was doing ministry as she shared the announcements and prayer. I'm sorry, Carolee, we're not paying you for that today. <laughs> but keep trying and you might get to the snap. <laughs> sorry, uh, never mind. Um, it's really important that Paul wants the Philippians to understand, and I want us to understand here, that ministry is not something for the select. 
in the uh, Great Commission, Jesus says to them all, go and make disciples of all nations. He even says like baptizing them. Sometimes in churches we think just the leaders can baptize, be baptizers. The reality is all of us can. We don't have to be a really mature believer to be able to share the gospel, to minister the gospel with others. I want you to think for a minute of Andrew, the first disciple. Uh, in John, we see an account of this, John 1, 35 to 42. Uh, it says, I'll carry on up to verse 39, it says, They spent the day with Jesus, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said, and he followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that's the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Andrew was introduced to Jesus by John. He spent the day with him and thought, wow, this is the Christ. And what little he knew at that stage of his relationship with him was enough for him to want to share Jesus with his brother. They like, come and see, come and see. He was ministering the gospel. See, it's a very basic, simple thing. He did not do three years at seminary. And then Jesus goes, and now you're ready to share the gospel. Friends, I want you to remember the first time, if you come to faith, what that relationship looked like. Anything like me, I was delighted with saving grace. Uh, and I wanted to share it with everyone. I wince at some of the ways I would share it, but there was still ministering the gospel in my own kind of broken way to others. I was ministering the gospel whether or not I was wearing a dog collar and a gown. I say that because I came to faith in an Anglican church and I really, really wanted to wear one. Uh, so gospel partnerships. So all followers of Jesus, all Christians... All of us have been given the same great commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. All Christians have been called to minister the gospel. When we link hands, when we pray for one another, like we were praying for the church in China, when we share our financial resources, when we serve together, we all become partners of the gospel. Paul is writing to the Philippians to thank them for their financial gift that they gave him. And see how he describes the financial support. Verse 3, 4, and 5, I'm going to read. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The newest believer in the church in Philippi is as much a partner in the gospel as Paul, the apostle Paul is. Isn't that wonderful? Just, just think about it. Not only are we partners in the gospel with people that we worship with, 
We're partners in the gospel with other members of the Antioch church planting movement. We're partners with the gospel and Christians within this nation. We're partners in the gospel with Christians in China. Also partners in the gospel with those who have gone before us, such as Paul. And the Great Commission shows us we're also partners in the gospel with Jesus. So in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 20, it says this, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, Jesus partners with us in the gospel as he prays on our behalf, as he sits at his Father's right hand. And Jesus partners with us in the gospel through the Holy Spirit who lives in all of his believers. Now at times sharing and ministering the gospel can seem draining. It can feel financially sacrificing and somewhat discouraging. But I want you to know that like Paul, like the church in Philippi, Christians are on the winning team. A winning team across every nation, a winning team across every generation, and where the victory has already been won. The prize is assured. You've already been credited with Christ's righteousness, called saints, and he now empowers us to share his gospel with others. So often, uh, we can be very passive in our relationship with Jesus. We sit down, we get a message, or we worship, and then we wait till next week. Sometimes there can be a habit of waiting for the church to approve or start something up. I'm, I want to help the hungry, I want to help at the food pantry, but I'm going to wait till the church starts a program about it until they ask me. Uh, that's not what this community here is going to look like at Antioch in Wheaton. If you see a need, meet it genuinely. It's such a more effective way of sharing the gospel. It's such a more effective way of ministering. If you need resources, come and speak to us on the leadership team. Uh, but ministering the gospel looks like having the eyes and ears and heart of Jesus seeing people and having compassion on them. Not only is part of the gospel, God loves you so much, he gave his son to die for you. Part of the gospel is good news for the poor. It's good news for widows. It's good news for orphans. And how are they going to hear that if we don't go out and share it with them? So there's no difference between someone in paid ministry and someone who's not in paid ministry. Both are saints at the same time. God is speaking to you to meet a gospel need somewhere. Please, please meet it. Do not wait for us as a church. Our focus here is much more uh, gospel-centered and relationship-focused. So we worship on a Sunday. Uh, there's discipleship happening. We have life groups where you get to do the one-anothering. And then over time, we're going to grow and continue planting. So some of our heritage has been uh, this congregation planted a church in India and in Florida. We're going to keep that, that focus, real missional laser focus. So we're making disciples here, and we want to make disciples who are making other disciples. 
That also means we've got a laser focus as leadership on growing this church in terms of discipleship. We can't always be aware of every need around there. So in your life groups or in your own families or in your own uh, quiet time, if you feel led to meet a ministry, please go and do that. We would love you to partner in the gospel. And so what is the result of being in gospel partnership? So we're in gospel partnership with people here. We're in gospel partnership with the global church. We're in gospel partnership with Paul. We're in gospel partnership with Jesus. The result is that love abounds. It's not love happens, love abounds. It starts and it's like a waterfall. Not a waterfall, sorry. A, is it a fountain that springs up? I can't. Thank you. It's not like a garden sprinkler. It's more vital than that. Um, so love abounds. The gospel is all about love, so it should not be a surprise that in gospel partnership, love abounds. The gospel is how through Jesus we get to enter that love relationship with God. And as we enter that love relationship which has existed before the creation of the world and will continue for all eternity, we get a taste of this relationship here and now almost like a dropper on the tongue. But in the fullness of time, when we meet God face to face, that'll be like an ocean of that relationship. But even here and now, as we live in our fallen world, after Christ has raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, that started the last days, and was awaiting for him to come back. Our role is to partner in the gospel. And love abounds when we partner in the gospel with other saints. Look at the affection Paul has for the Philippians. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. See how love abounds? Paul holds them in his heart. He yearns for them with Christ-like affection. And see how this sweet affection causes him to act. He prays for them. And not just any prayer, but he prays, we see in verse 9, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Friends, having been studying this text this week, this is what I've been praying for you each and every day, that your love would abound. Friends, I would love one of your applications from this message for this week to be praying verses 9 to 11 for one another as well. Praying the same way. Other ways to apply this message. Uh, some of us probably need to accept and embrace the fact that we're saints. My experience is most people don't have, need extra encouragement to give themselves a hard time. It's kind of weird to accept yourself and see yourself as God sees you. 
So some of us need to pray to God for help. I'm not sure what that exactly looks like, but God will answer your prayer. Pray to God for help in accepting that we are who he says we are, and that is saints, and what that looks like. For some of us, it will be praying for opportunities to share the good news with others. For some of us, it will look like a commitment to serving together so we can cultivate the environment where love abounds. Specifically, we'd like help in kids' ministry. It's as simple as an application. Once you give us the application, 24 hours, we do a background check, and you have the joy of looking after my kids. Thank you. Uh, For others, we may decide actually babysitting at the Doyle's house is also, uh, you don't need a background check for that, we're just desperate. Uh, For others, we may decide to partner with others outside our church, whether we pray, whether we give, or whether we go on mission with them. And I'm going to give us an opportunity to do that after I've prayed. So summarize the message, love abounds in gospel partnership. We've looked at this through four foundational words or phrases. The first word, saints. All Christians are saints. None are more special than others. Grace. All Christians become saints through the gift of grace, both saving grace and then empowering grace as we do the good works we have been saved for and as we minister the gospel. The words gospel partnership, we partner in ministering the gospel and fulfilling the call in the Great Commission to make disciples by linking hands, sharing resources, and praying for one another, whether in our local church or part of a church which planted us so that we may reach the nation and the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The final phrase is love abounds. The result of gospel partnership is that love abounds. Individually, as we enter that love relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then with others as we minister the gospel together. Friends, let's bow our heads as I pray. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Amen. Next week, we'll be looking at Philippians 1, verses 12 to 30, so you can prepare in advance. It's gospel hope in the midst of suffering. I'm actually going to invite Alyssa up on stage with us now. As a local church, we've been partnering in the gospel with Alyssa. And so she'd like the opportunity to introduce herself and give you an update of what she is doing and let us know how we can help her. So give her a warm welcome, please. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's so good to be here with you this Sunday and to be able to worship with you. It's been a blessing to me. It's recharged me, refueled me. It's good to be back in an English-speaking service. Um, I've been overseas in Malaysia for the last two months, and so I've missed meeting together with English congregations where I understand fully <laughs> everything that's being spoken and sung, and it's just so awesome to be here with you guys. Um, I'm just back in Chicago on a short visit um, to visit my family. I'm from here originally, and I started going to Antioch here uh, just a few months before I then took off to California to go and work with YWAM in Reading. Um, So YWAM stands for Youth with a Mission. 
Um, it's a global missions organization. For those of you guys who are maybe not familiar, it's been around for maybe 50 years or so, a little more founded by Lauren Cunningham. And his, his original vision was to see waves of young people going all over the world to preach the gospel and share the good news of Jesus to, to heal the sick and uh, just to, to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth to fulfill that great commission that pastor was talking about. And one of the things that I really love about YWAM is that they entrust so much to young people. Most of the students who come through our schools are fresh out of high school. There's 17 through, you know, but then we have up to, you know, 30-something-year-olds coming. And uh, we actually currently have one of our staff members, grandmothers, is doing one of our schools, and she's 70-something. So that's been fun. Um, but we have grown tremendously in the past couple of years that I've been working with YWAM. I was a part of the very first DTS, Discipleship Training School, that they ever ran um, and jumped on and joined staff immediately afterwards. I started out, there was only 10 of us on staff, and now we're at almost 50, just three years later. Um, we've been growing a lot. The Lord's been just doing so much, moving so much through uh, this base that I'm working with. And um, I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank you guys, because whether you know it or not, you've been supporting me actually in being able to do this work full time. And so I wanted to take the opportunity to thank you for that and uh, just share with you a little bit of the fruit of what's been coming from your investment, what you've been sowing into uh, the kingdom through, through this base. There has been awesome harvest, and I'm so excited to share with you guys. Um, so I think one of the biggest things for me is that we not only, you know, are taking a small number of staff or people who are going overseas every once in a while, but we're training up hundreds of young people. Um, last year, we had about 100 students, like maybe a little bit more coming through the various schools that we run. So we're getting to multiply people who are then going out into the nations uh, for short-term missions. But then not only that, but after they graduate and finish with us, they're going back into the work world. They're maybe going to college then, and they're continuing to live this lifestyle of, of sharing the gospel with the people around them, with advancing the kingdom, with praying for people, with, you know, just really they, they learn things in their season with us um, that set them up for life to be able to really, like Pastor is saying, you know, just minister the gospel wherever they are, wherever they go. And that to me is such an amazing thing that there have been, again, hundreds of people who have come through our schools and are now out in the world continuing to share the love of Jesus with the lost. Um, just recently, we had our largest DTS ever. Uh, we had 35 students and we just got back from, like I said, all over the world. I was in Malaysia, um, but we sent teams out to Turkey, Lebanon, Morocco, Malaysia, India, and Bangladesh. And so we were there spread out for two months. Um, over the course of those two months, I actually just found this out. We just had our debrief week where we came back together in Reading. We graduated our students. We found out that there were over 450 salvations just in those two months in all of those nations. So that's, yeah. I'm just so overwhelmed by the goodness of God in that, and that, again, He chooses to use teenagers and young adults to do this. It's not, you know, the super mature in faith and the Brother Andrews and the, you know, Lauren Cunningham types and, and people who, you know, we see up on stage, the Bill Johnsons and all of that. He's using 
you know, these, these teenagers who are just coming out of high school, they spend three months training with us and then they go and he's using them in incredible ways. Um, one of my favorite stories from Malaysia specifically, uh, we had an opportunity to work with some contacts there that are just super radical, on fire, crazy. Like when I think of the Apostle Paul in like a modern day kind of way, it's our contact, Rick. He's like insane out there, but in the best way. Um, and they've been investing in uh, in Malaysia for 15 years. And so we got to come alongside with them, hike through jungles, go to remote villages, places where people have never heard the gospel before and share the gospel with them. Um, there's one where we had to take this little river boat up to this area where then we hiked up to this village and, and literally no one in the village had ever heard the name of Jesus before. And we got to share with them. We would go from hut to hut to hut, uh, passing out supplies and just talking to them about Jesus. We had two translators with us and um, you know, by the end of the time, there were there were two families in that small, it was a small village, who decided to, to give their lives to Christ. And we know that that's going to continue to spread because when the, when the fathers of these families choose to dedicate their lives to Jesus, their whole family also comes along in that. And so we're going primarily as well into to Muslim nations to share with, with them about the love of Jesus. They, you know, have the belief that Jesus is a, a prophet and is a great teacher but we want to share with them that he is in fact the son of God and that it's only through faith in him that they can be saved and to be able to see them come to that realization. Um, they have such a desire, you know, to serve God and they do that in, in, you know, through their prayers five times a day when you're in Muslim countries, you hear the call to prayer going on all, all the time. Just, you know, they, they are so devoted in their practices, but they're just seeking their own God. You know, they don't really know truly who Jesus is. And so the opportunity to share that with them is, is incredible. And um, they oftentimes are moved by signs and wonders. You can talk to them about what the Bible says, but they're going to say over here a lot of times what the Quran says. But when they see a demonstration of the power of Jesus, of the name of Jesus, it's, it's a game changer. It shifts things. So one of our teams, when they were in Turkey, um, there is a... Muslim tradition, there's an island in Turkey where uh, this, this time of year, thousands of Muslims will travel from all over the world to go and make kind of this pilgrimage, basically. They climb up this, uh, this mountain to go to this temple. And the belief is that if they do this at this specific time of year and they make the request known to God that he will answer whatever prayer or wish they bring before him, but only if they go to this spot, you know. And so our team went there. They lined the path up to this temple and, and held signs that say, said, if you, in, in uh, Arabic and in Turkish, if you need a miracle, come talk to us. And so these people are literally coming here seeking out a miracle. And then our team is there to be able to offer them truly how they can see that miracle happen. And so they prayed for thousands of people this day. They had just lines of people nonstop to pray for. Um, they saw I think 80 salvations just in that one day. They saw hundreds of healings, um, but one in particular that stood out to me and was just so exciting. They had this woman come up to them, pushed past actually the rest of the line, didn't even wait in line, came right up to them and said, I've been coming here for the last seven years with my daughter who's been mute for her whole life. And I've been asking God year after year to heal my daughter and nothing has changed. But if like I see something different on you, and I want you to pray. And so they explained to her, you know, 
we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. This is who we believe in, and this is who can heal your daughter. And she said, yes, I believe he wants to heal my daughter. And so they prayed over her daughter. And um, after a little while of praying, they, they looked at her and they asked her, so how do you feel? And she looks at them and just goes, I'm fine. And like walks away. And the mom just falls on her knees and starts weeping because those are the first words that her daughter has ever said is, I'm fine. And, and they just began to share with the, the mother again, like the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus, that it was Jesus who healed her daughter. And she was just weeping and crying and so grateful for this that she, again, had been going to this place seeking Allah for seven years to heal her daughter and nothing happened. But Jesus, as soon as they prayed in the name of Jesus, she was healed and she was fully restored. So it's just, you know, it's incredible to me just again to see I, when we were at our graduation just last week, graduating these students, I was just, I just couldn't stop crying at the testimonies of everything that Jesus had done. And just to see as well, again, the transformation in these students' lives 15 of them are planning on coming back to do a secondary school with us or join staff with us. Many of them are planning on going off to um, colleges or, or, you know, work or whatever, but they all have that heart and they have all developed that lifestyle of ministering the gospel wherever they go because they've seen God move in power. They've experienced God move in power in their own lives as well. And they know like their lives have will never be the same again. They've been forever changed because of what they've experienced God do and what they've seen God do. And so I know that they're now going out into the world to continue to share the gospel and see lives changed for Christ. And I wanna, again, just thank you guys for being a part of that and enabling that to happen. You guys get to receive the reward of that because of what you guys have invested. So thank you. So I just want to pray over you guys and, and bless you, um, again, just for your investment and just that the Lord would, would multiply this even more so. God, so Jesus, we thank you so much. God, I praise you and thank you for every single salvation, for every single person that was healed and touched. Lord, I thank you that when we speak your name, when we declare your truth, that you come and you move in power. And I thank you, Father God, for every single seed that was sown, Lord, in every single one of these nations. I thank you, God, for uh, just the world changers that are going out to continue to bring your kingdom to earth. And I thank you, God, for um, just the, the part that this church gets to play in that. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, Father, with just the testimony of, of what you're doing and again, of the, the reward that they get to share in. And I pray that you would just stir up an excitement in their heart for what you're doing around the world, Father, for what you're doing in the Muslim world, that you're revealing yourself in dreams and in visions, that you're revealing yourself in power and in love to these people who you so passionately desire and, and adore and are seeking after and are just looking for us to say yes to you, to be used by you. God, and I thank you that, that you can use the Bill Johnsons of the world, you can use the Brother Andrews of the world, and you can use us, Lord. God, so we thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. We glorify you and exalt you, and we say to you, be all of the glory and all of the honor forever and ever.